And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to A Couch With No Name. We are your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode 34. This episode, we'll be discussing our top five Christmas movies. Because it's that time of year. It's that time of year. Wonderful time of year. It's a joyous year. time of year, Jay. Yes. Uh, every Everyone feels good. and Yep. Lighthearted. Nothing bad ever happens. And No, not in this world. Weather's perfect. Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. But first, don't forget our, to visit our website, uh, web address and email is in the description below this episode in the description of this episode uh where you can comment on episodes you can write to us ask us questions all that good stuff um but uh first let's kick things off by we're past thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and i started a little early watching my christmas stuff I always do. There's too many. Yeah, there is way too many. Yeah. Um, but what was your criteria for picking the top five? It's pretty simple. Uh, it had to be about Christmas. Okay. All right. No diehards in this list. Yes. And yeah. uh, it, it, do you do you consider diehard no, a Christmas? Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. We've talked about this. Yes. That, that would mean every Shane Black movie is a Christmas movie. Yeah. And then this list would turn into top five Shane Black movies. Because I love Shane Black. Because every single. He's movie he does pretty much takes place. That's right around Christmas. I even think the Predator, yeah, the new Predator movie he did. It's it's on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and so was Iron Man three. Yep, Iron Man three. I don't the, know what it is about that. The Long Kiss Goodnight, The Last Boy Scout, Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Kiss, kiss bang. bang Bang. Yeah, The Nice Guys. Nice Guys. So nice guys was funny because he didn't know it until yeah the final until scene. at the very end. <laughs> like he's, he's totally aware yeah. that of what he's doing that yeah anymore i think he just puts it in there just because i think people expect him to yeah i think the only movie he wrote that doesn't have a christmas element is the monster squad i think that's it okay i never saw that oh that's a good movie yeah 80s kid you didn't no never saw the monster squad wow that's a shocker yeah but was was that one of his first writing yeah credits yeah that's probably yeah he probably didn't have too much authority as far as no I don't think so. Came so. out in '87, so it was right around the time he wrote *Lethal Weapon*. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if he had it in the can for a long time, and someone yeah. just picked it up, or I don't know. Hmm. Other than that, though, *Christmas* is in all his movies, and I didn't have a Shane Black movie on my list. Uh, yeah, I do. Also, do not have a Shane Black movie on my list. That's good. So, You're so, not a communist. Yeah, it's, it's, a true-blooded right. American. That's right. So, <laughs> listeners, if you were hoping we would talk about a Shane Black movie, no, not doing it. It's not. It's not fucking Christmas. We keep it in the holiday goddamn spirit. That's right. All right. So it's got to be a Christmas movie. Yep. Got to be about Christmas. That's right. Okay. And uh, something I grew up watching all the time that every time I watch it, it just brings me back to my my childhood nostalgia yeah. factor. Mm-hmm. And it just has to be an overall good movie. There's no like stinkers on my list. I'd say they're all very good movies. Okay. I, I will. Uh, yeah, I kind of went about it the same way. Mm-hmm. It's got to be about Christmas. Had to have been made with the idea in mind that this will be a Christmas movie. Yep. However, saying that, 
one of my movies does not fit that criteria that's on my list but okay it's all right listeners if you can figure out which movie of mine is not a christmas movie let us know in the comments yeah there's one and we'll talk about it in the the honorable mentions but the one i didn't put on the list that's probably the best one of the best movies ever made i don't consider for whatever reason i don't consider it a christmas movie it's because i used to watch it on new year's with my dad all the time so i, I always Related to New Year's Eve. Okay. But it's it's not a New Year's Eve movie mm-hmm. by any stretch. But Got it. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. You want to go first? It. Sure. Okay. Uh, to kick things off, um, and the bottom of my list, I mean, I could switch with any one of them. Um, yeah, but I, I, I knew the five that I was going to be having and the order of it flip-flops depending on whatever criteria I would rank them in. Yeah. So I would, uh, I would probably rank these as far as the ones I enjoy the most. Okay. To watch during Christmas. So, uh, my number five is Elf. Uh, Oh yeah. It's my number three. Oh, it's your number three. It's my number three. Oh, that's okay though. Okay. That is all right. Um, the uh, but yeah, it came out in two thousand three. Yep, and uh, directed by John Fevre. 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 Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, I think this was his next. Pretty much his next movie that he did after Swingers. Yep. He might have done like another independent or something, but um, he did Made. He directed the sequel okay. to Swingers first, and then he did this movie. Yeah. 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 So. Um, this was kind of like his big studio mm-hmm. debut. Yep. And this is also Will Ferrell's, other than maybe Night at the Rock, this is like the first thing I think after he blew up, because he did Night at the Roxbury before this. Yep. And, but he still wasn't Will Ferrell at that point. It, he wasn't a leading man. Correct. And this Because he did old school the same year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, old school in this definitely blew him up to oh yeah he was a, not the wolf not the wolf fair we know today yeah where he gets 80 million dollars production budget for a comedy mm-hmm. yeah so uh but yeah i have it on my number five uh simply because it i mean like most of these things i mean they're all i i like this movie obviously all the christmas movies yeah they give you the warm and fuzzies at some point but um i like this just for the simple fact that Will Ferrell is the only goofy character in this movie and everybody else plays a deadpan straight. <laughs> yeah. And um it's it's entertaining because of that. There's, so there's yeah. no um most of the time it, it's flipped mm-hmm. to where usually more everyone's goofy and then you have the one straight person. Uh yep. similar like planes, trains and automobiles to where Steve Martin is incredibly straight in that movie and then everyone around him just seems to be these cartoon characters of just yeah. this random stuff that's happening. That's a good analogy. Um, to where this is more the reverse of that, um, which I think plays very, very well. Um, even when he's in the North Pole, everyone is mainly like more straightish than he, what Will Ferrell is, uh, especially Bob uh, Newhart and Ed Asner. Yeah. Um, which is another reason why I like this movie. I love Bob Newhart. I do too. Um, I think I watched, we rewatched a Big Bang a while ago or a year ago. Big Bang Theory? Yeah. And uh, 
that he's my every time he pops up is just my favorite episode. It's just because he's so deadpan. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch the Bob Newhart show growing up? Yes. Yeah. And uh, and Ed Asner, uh, I really enjoy uh, from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh-huh. And yeah. um, he plays a good Santa. Yeah, he does. He, he does. does a really good job. Um, and uh, James Con. Uh, Perfect. I mean, there's so many. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many good Mary Steenburgen, uh, Zooey Deschanel, um, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie. Yeah. Um, Who is it? Kyle Gass and. uh, Oh, yeah. And uh, Andy Richter. Andy Richter. Thank you. Yeah. I remember. Artie Lang. That's right. He plays (laughs) Santa. The fake Santa. Yep. Um, Yeah. Tons of people in this movie. Yeah. Um, Faison loves in it, too. I always like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just his facial <laughs> no, expression. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. That's that's part of what set this. That's that's what set this movie. That's what sets this movie apart to me is that Will Ferrell plays it so innocent. He's the most likable innocent character mm-hmm. I think ever. Yeah. Put, you know, put on film. He's just so sweet, and you can't like help but not to like him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what's surprising about this movie too. I remember when I saw him in theaters. I I was I was thinking it was gonna be like a, a crappy, you know. Oh, it's Will Ferrell. Like this is his career jump. He's playing yeah. an elf. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I was in college. I didn't watch it in theater. I watched it. Someone had bought it on yeah. DVD, and it was. It must have been two thousand. It was the year after, so it was two thousand four, and there was a bunch of us in a dorm room, and everyone's like, "Oh, we're gonna watch Elf," and I was like, "Oh, is that the Will Ferrell thing?" And they're like, "Yeah." I was like, "Ugh," and they're like, "No, it's pretty good." And that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. So I think it's. Um, you have to have a cold heart not to yeah, enjoy it, the movie. And it's. I think it does such a good job that it will not. A buddy of mine brought this up. It won't age. Oh, definitely not. I mean, there's mm. there's nothing in there that feels like it will be dated. Uh, there's a couple other movies on my list that I feel like will be. Okay. Just from some of the references that they make, but uh, Elf, I feel like, will be one of those that just it just timeless. Won't. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the beginning of the movie, like the North Pole, how they designed that, because I was a big Rankin Bass stop stop motion animation mm-hmm. Christmas special kid growing up. Yep. You know Rudolph, and then Santa Claus is coming to town, Frosty the Snowman. I like the that callback to it. That was just great. Uh, I think of that every time I watch that movie. Yeah, the design of the North Pole, just the washed out white, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's very, uh, it looks, I mean, I was going to say set based, obviously, but it, it looks like a cardboard set, like yeah. a very cheap 60s style set, which I think works really, really well. And it contrasts nicely to early 2000s New York. Yep, um, yep. And just the grime and everything else. We're in the North Pole. Everything is clean and just kind of yep. sterile almost a little bit. But I like how the toys, too, that they're making aren't like video games or anything. Yeah. They're like checking the boxes. and <laughs> What are those things? The sketchy? Oh, uh, Etch-a-sketch. Etch-a-sketches, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's just things that no one really... I mean, toys that are still around today, mm-hmm. but no one really plays with. Plays with, no. But they do make a reference when they're uh, when he's taking his... When he's in a elf seminar elf class is like okay kids we're gonna or okay guys we're gonna be talking about the new f62 processors and (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah but um actually i have 
um, I like the contract. We mentioned the contrast of Will Ferrell with everybody else. Yep. Uh, I have a clip here that perfectly shows it. Now, this is, I, this is the scene that sticks out to me the most, mm-hmm. just because up until this movie, I associated James Caan with The Godfather. Yeah. So, him as Sonny. Mm-hmm. Is the only time, I mean, I, I think I've seen him in, I probably saw him in a couple other things, but that was the main thing. I was like, James Conn. I was like, ah, I knew, I knew of his son. I knew, um, James Conn was just one of those actors, but it was always, um, and he usually played a cop or like a tough guy or whatever, right. but serious role. Yeah. Serious. And Sonny always stuck out with me. So I was just kind of seeing Sonny mm-hmm. the entire time, but I have a, uh, let's play the clip. All right. So, Dad, I plan out our whole day. First, we'll make snow angels for two hours, and then we'll go ice skating, and then we'll eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then, to finish, we'll snuggle. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, now, it <laughs> I cut the audio off a little bit early, but, I mean, the only thing James Codd says, uh, buddy, I, I got to go to work. Yeah. But the... Yeah. And it sucks. And I'll put the clips that we show into the description um, so you can watch them. But his facial expression mm-hmm. um, after it's like, well, snuggle. And James James Kant's look on his face is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a 40-year-old man <laughs> Yeah, just making those things to do. Yeah. Uh, but that was the, probably the scene I laughed the most at. Uh, the first time I saw it. And it's the, I mean, I still get a chuckle out of it just because that was the first time I've seen James Conn in a movie like this. Yeah. Reacting to a character this absurd. And that could have fallen flat on its face Mm -hmm. if they didn't get this chemistry right. Yeah. I got a clip. I got a clip that kind of uh, displays that too. Here we go. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. Exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. He did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met. And he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> and um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh so I've seen some behind the scenes stuff. I don't know. I thought they had to convince James Conn to do this because he didn't want to do it initially. Because he didn't know he wasn't completely sold on Will Ferrell like leading the movie mm-hmm. at first. And then I think he met him and him, him and Will had like a conversation and eventually convinced uh, Conn to do it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they could have obviously gotten another actor. Yeah. With the similar kind of yeah. persona as James Conn. Um, but the... Uh, it hits know, so well. Yeah. The chemistry, I think, is 
It's like spot on. De- yeah, it's definitely there. And I think the chemistry between James Conn and Will Ferrell, um, I think definitely makes the movie. And I think that's probably one of the stronger point, like parts of the movie is their relationship more so than um, his romance arc or right. anything with his little brother and stuff like that. And, and it could have easily not worked at all if Will Ferrell's innocence doesn't shine through it because you're right any normal person where if that were to happen to anybody if the person that's you know pretending to be an elf if mm-hmm. he wasn't like sweet and innocent and didn't seem like you know he had mental illness or something yeah then it wouldn't be that believable but for for whatever reason it's believable when will ferrell's doing it mm-hmm. so you know he keeps giving him a chance and yeah he plays that fine line to where yeah he is childlike and it's mm-hmm. almost um like an arrested development thing mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah him something to where if someone else handled it it probably would have turned out to be too slapsticky mm-hmm. or almost creepy in a way yep. or something like that but yeah i got one more clip just because i think it's it's probably my favorite part of the movie <laughs> who the heck are you okay, what are you talking about i'm santa claus no you're not oh uh, why of course i am well, if you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? Sorry, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> he's an imposter! <laughs> <laughs> smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. <laughs> it's great that they cast Artie Lang to throw mm-hmm. that insult at. Because he already Lang does smell like beef and cheese. Yeah, no he doubt. looks like someone. Yeah, that would smell that. <laughs> There's way. no doubt about it. Yeah. So it's but, a great movie. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's timeless. I think it'll it'll be one of those. It'll turn into one of those like a Christmas story or mm-hmm. I think national. I think it'll just eventually get to that point simply because the people that enjoyed it when they were younger are now at the age where they're having right. kids or. Um, they have kids that are old enough to be able to watch that, right? Um, so I think it'll, it, I think it'll retain its popularity. Definitely. For, I don't even know if people watch TNT or TBS anymore. Remember those like twenty uh, four hour a day Christmas story, where they would just play Christmas yep. story, yeah, constantly for, for like a day, and then it turned into like a week. <laughs> we had a, I know, cause nothing else to. Air. I know. Jeez. Um, we even had a. Uh, uh, there was a local radio station that would play the audio of A Christmas Story. Really? And it, was, it would be on Christmas Day, because I remember when Christy and I would be hopping between mm-hmm. Christmases, I'd always turn on the radio station and it would be there right be there. On? Yeah, they did that, I think, for, I want to say, about five years Wait, or so. Wait, so they read the movie script? or No, it was just it was just the audio of the movie. Really? Yeah. It's like someone just played the movie and they just fed the audio through and it was... No shit. Yeah. Huh. And it and it worked well with that movie just because it's narrated. That's right. 
throughout throughout the movie. Of, yeah, throughout and everyone's movie. seen it, so they can probably envision it yep. in their head. Yeah, that makes sense. So cool. But yeah, that's my number uh, my number five and your number three. Yeah. So yeah. So so my number five. Yes. Is the Santa Claus. Okay. Yeah, with Tim Allen. The first one. The very first one. Yeah. Okay. Not a giant fan of two and three, and that there's actually a new Disney Plus series coming out about it. Out. I think there's a couple episodes already out. Oh, okay. So we had, I think they premiered the first two, and then a couple have aired. Gotcha. So. I might watch that. I might not. I don't know. I probably will because my kids could probably watch it because um, they love the Santa Claus mm-hmm. already. I, I showed it to them the first time last year. They loved it. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those movies I grew up in or grew up with. I love Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. I was a big Home Improvement fan. Yeah. Um, and it's just a you know I didn't I don't I think this is the best movie about Santa Claus that's ever been made. Uh, there's like that old 1970s one called Santa Claus the Movie. It's very slow and it's not. Um, I don't know. Not all that funny. Miracle on 34th Street again. It's kind of slow. Not really all that funny. Yeah, I I I can see that. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of movies about Santa Claus. I like Fred Claus and some of that. Yeah, like Vince Vaughn. But I never saw that. I never had. Um, but no, I enjoy the. I enjoy the Santa Claus. I like part. I like part one and two. I think I like two, mm. the most. More than one. Really? I think so. Just because there's some of the, like, just the comedy with um, Tim Allen regressing. Uh, there's a scene, like, there's a couple lines in there that he has. When he's going on a date with oh, yeah, uh, Molly yeah. Shannon. Okay. And yeah, that's he's, pretty... like, explaining, he's like, I don't know, a single person doesn't want a piece of this. Yeah, <laughs> and he's yeah. just, like, some chubby guy in a goofy sweater. And he's yeah. like, got a minivan, a sweater. Yep. Be back at 830. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like this one the most because it does have more of that Tim Allen home improvement humor in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of his like line delivery and one-liners. This is situational comedy of like the everyday man. Yep. And you know, I grew up in a household with divorced parents, so this movie kind of hits home. I always felt like I was uh, uh, his son in the movie, Charlie. Charlie, because when I came out when this when I was what eight or nine when this yeah, movie you're came out, about the same same age, age as Charlie. You, yeah. So that way, I kind of felt like I was in Charlie's shoes most of the time during the movie, and uh, just the situations with like the parents arguing, and mm-hmm. you know, the dad can't get his shit together because he can't doesn't know how to cook. But you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, then takes him to Denny's. <laughs> takes yeah. him to Denny's. Speaking of that, I got a nice little clip here to kind of demonstrate that. You with hot sutashi? No. Dad wants a turkey. Oh yeah, this way. Come on. <laughs> Right over there? Thank you. Bird of turkey? (laughs) Coffee? No, thank you, Judy. (laughs) What do you say we start out with? Cold glasses or a delicious seasonal favorite? Eggnog. I don't like eggnog. We're out. Coffee. Decaf. Mm-hmm. All chocolate milk, please. We're out. Plain milk's fine. Okay. At least we know they got hot apple pie. We did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that home improvement 
snarkiness that he was known for, which I think was mainly the reason why he was picked for it. Because I think he may have been in a <clears throat> a movie, but he definitely wasn't. I, th- I feel like this was his first His first starring, starring role, for sure. And little trivia, not to bring up old shit from his past, but that's, uh, that's fine. He uh, Disney actually had to revert some of their because they had a they have a policy that they don't hire ex felons. Oh, really? And they had because originally they weren't going to get have Tim Allen do it, and but they had to go back on that policy because Tim Allen is a felon. So that's right, he was the. Um, but yeah, so a little trivia he was, for you. What was he smuggling drugs? I can't remember. Was he just dealing? <sighs> I think he was just probably dealing, dealing drugs. coke or something. I mean, it was like in his early twenties, so he yeah. probably had like an eighth of weed and like a little bit of mm. coke or something, and then yeah, he probably gave up his supplier and then it was the early seventies, baby. Yeah. What do you want? What do you want him to do? He had a mustache and the yeah and the the feathered hair. It was fine. I think once you grow the mustache, they just bring coke to your house, right? And yeah, then you they have do. to deal it, it. It's a subscription thing. That's right. Yeah. Satellites. They That's see what you it have to do. Ah, That's what you have to do. Um. But, yeah. but this movie was cool because it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, what if Santa falls and for whatever reason they disappear and you have to contract to be in Santa Claus? I mean, it's a pretty cool idea. And then. Yeah, it explains how Santa Claus has survived for hundreds yeah. of years and and all that good stuff. It explains. Um, and that's what I liked about it when I was a kid, because it, it kind of. Um, explains the questions that you had when you were a kid like oh what if, what if the house doesn't have a chimney yeah and yeah, then yeah, yeah what if so it kind of explains all of that uh really well um and it kind of brings the i mean mythology into the present day mm-hmm. and gets around it in a logical way that with the technology that yeah i like how the north pole had uh, all the elves are kids mm-hmm it makes sense. There wasn't a lot of like old, you know, grumpy yeah. elves just going around. It made sense that elves like that would look like kids, and they would they would be in the mindset of children, mm-hmm. and they would know what kids would want. Yeah, yeah. That and they they have the uh, dainty fingers, the yep. dexterity needed to make those toys. Right. I mean, that's why we ship all of our labor overseas. That's right. So your Nike shoes are made by five year olds. It's because they can stitch. Yep. Do those tight stitches yep. really, really well. Yep. So you need tiny fingers to put, you know, the the eighth camera on your iPhone. Yep. You know? Yeah. To squeeze that in there. Yeah. That that and you don't have to have that strong a nets when they try and jump out the window. Yep. Uh because they can easily trampoline back inside. So I don't even think you need a trampoline. I think the kids just jump off the building and then they're so small and, and porous that they just kinda bounce off the concrete, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they they do bounce a little bit. I mean they're they're yeah. very resilient. Yeah. Those kids are resilient. Yeah. I got another clip here. Right. Uh, it's when uh, Santa Claus falls off the roof. It's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Hey, buddy. All right. You should just stay still. Perfect. You got him! Charlie, stay where you are. Charlie, would you listen to me? Stay up there. He's Santa. You killed him. Did not. And he's not Santa. Well, he was. He's got some ID on him, I bet. Fella, if you can hear me, I'm just looking for identification. Once you figure out who you are, I'll, I'll give you a lift back to the mall. If something should happen to me, put on my suit. The reindeer will know what to do. Yeah, right. Reindeer up on the roof. 
Santa suit laying on the ground. I fell. Not my fault. Reindeer on the roof. That is hard to explain. It's the ladder. Where the hell did this come from? Look here, Dad. The Rose such a ladder company. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Which was alluding earlier in, when he was reading The Night Before Christmas. Yeah. And he's like, what's a clatter? Yeah. And he's like, no. Or he made some kind of joke to where it like referenced when um, a clatter, like a noise, like, oh, like a ladder. And you're like, no, it's a clatter. No, there didn't rise a ladder. There right, right, right. It was a, it was a pretty cute way to mm-hmm. weave that in there. It was cool. But I like I like how he went out there. It's <laughs> like hitting him with his foot. And then he's like, I bet he's got some idea on him. Hey, fella, if you don't mind, I'm just looking for your identification. That, that, it, it seems like something I would do if it were to happen, you know, mm-hmm. to me. And then your kid coming out, like not listening to you. Oh yeah, would you stay up there? Yeah, that that is the most relatable thing. Like, ah, would you listen to me? I know. Immediately when I see that now, I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are, those are kids for you. They yep. just don't listen to you. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, yeah, it's my number five. Awesome. My number four uh, came out in the same year mm. as Elf. Just as Elf. Oh, okay. Yeah, just figured that out. But it is Bad Santa. Nice. <laughs> and it brings the families together. It does. And <laughs> this this is one of the few movies, I don't know why, uh, but it's one of the few movies that I can still laugh out loud. I mean, I know, oh, yeah. I know most of the lines <clears throat> and I know what's coming, but um, <laughs> it, it's the Billy Bob Thornton and... The kid who plays uh, Thurman Merman, uh, Brad. <laughs> those two together are just amazing. So good. Um, uh. If if you haven't seen Bad Santa, it's it's really good. Um, it's obviously it's not a family movie, but no, um, it. It's just so funny. I, mean, I didn't even the, think the writing in it is <clears throat> fantastic. Very funny. I didn't even think about this as a Christmas movie. <laughs> I just think of it as a comedy. But uh, it it is a very funny movie. Yeah. I mean, you have Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Bernie Mac. Yeah. Uh, plays a mall security guy. John Ritter uh, plays, I think, the mall manager. I love John Ritter. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. He's so he's, great in this. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> Lauren Graham, who she was on Gilmore. She played the mother in Gilmore Girls. Yep. Um, you have Tony Cox, who plays Marcus. Um, who might steal the show. Yeah, he's he, pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Some great lines in it. If Yeah, I, I, I feel like everyone's probably seen this, but yeah. Billy Bob Thornton and <laughs> Tony Cox um, play a Santa elf pair that go to different malls every year, and then they rob them. Yep. They robbed the ball uh, on Christmas Eve, and uh, and that's just kind of their shtick. And then hilarity ensues. Billy Bob Thornton's character Willie is a barely functioning alcoholic. If that, um, <laughs> he's just the worst, <laughs> worst human being um, that you've met. He has no filter. I mean, it's just it's it's fantastic. Um, but the 
Very, very funny. Uh, but Brett Kelly, who plays the kid, and Billy Bob Thornton together are just great. This, uh, this is a clip. It's after the kid still believes in uh, Santa Claus, and Billy Bob Thornton's giving him a ride home after uh, the kid saved him from an unfortunate incident in the parking lot, and so he's just giving the kid a ride home. This one fucking time I take you home, okay? Uh-huh. I'm not your fucking dad Uh-huh. It's not like you helped me back there with that nut job or anything, you know? Why do you need a car? What the fuck are you talking about? This car. Which turn is it? Sage Terrace. Where's your sleigh? It's in the shop, getting repaired. Where are the reindeer? I stabled them. Is it left or right? That way. Where's the stable? Next to the shop. How do they sleep? Who are the reindeer standing up? But the noise, how do they sleep? What noise? From the shop. They only work during the day, all right? I thought it was always night at the North Pole. Well, not now. Right now, it's always day. Then how do they sleep? Oh, shit, Sage Terrace. What is it with you, anyway? Somebody drop you on your fucking head? On my head? Well, yeah, what are they going to drop you on somebody else's head? How can they drop me onto my own head? No, not onto your... Uh, what? God damn it! Are you fucking with me? <laughs> uh, just the, they're, 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 <laughs> oh man, the uh, the scenes with him and uh, the kid, uh, it reminds oh, me of just that quick 1930s like who's on first yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of banter back and forth. Oh um, man, I'm crying. Really, a lot of scenes are just really well written. Uh, John Ritter and Bernie Mac have great scenes together. Yep. Um, I mean, I mean, I feel like everybody in this movie has like a scene with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's great, and it's not. I mean, it's not just crass to be crass. It does have. Um, I mean, it has a statement like an over the top statement on commercialism and materialism. Yep. Um, but also. Mm. Um, he has an arc in this story, though. Yeah, he does. It's not like... He has some redeeming qualities. But it's not such like, oh, I'm going to completely change how yeah. I am. Uh, it's more of, all right, like y- you can you can see that he's not a total piece of shit. Right, right. He's not going to screw over Thurman yeah. at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know? he, still, he cares about him enough to look out for him. Yeah, which, of <laughs> course, throughout the movie, he's giving him more or less fatherly advice to the best of his ability, <laughs> to the best of his ability. <laughs> um, oh man but it's tony cox's insults oh yeah to billy bob thornton are amazing <laughs> your soul is dog, dog shit <laughs> <laughs> oh man i remember watching that in the theater crying mm-hmm. laughing i just wasn't expecting it to be that funny we kind of saw it just on a whim. Just we were bored. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we'll see what this is about. Crying, laughing. Great movie. Yeah, that, that's my number four. I would, <clears throat> it's, of my five, it's the, I mean, obviously the one I left the most at. Um, and it's, it, it's fantastic. It's I great. mean, I, it, it was, it was very close to becoming number three or number two. Really? But just because the amount of enjoyment I get from watching it. Um, it's one of the best comedies. Oh yeah, I think ever it's, made. It's, it's very, very, good. very good. And a lot. Of, I mean, it's the writing, and everyone mm-hmm. just does sh- such a great job with it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that's my number four, Bad Santa. Nice. Did you ever watch the sequel? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I refuse to. You, so. Yeah, you don't need to. It's, it ruined it for yeah. That's what I it, it didn't. It didn't ruin the first. Like I watched <clears> the sequel, and um, it. I really don't remember it. Really? Like that's that's how, how bad it was. I I know they were all a little bit older. Mm. I I can't tell you the storyline. Um, I think Kathy Bates places Willie's mom or whatever. Oh, really? Um. That, that's the only thing I really yeah remember. why would you want to do that that's the appeal of it and that you don't want to know why he's so horrible I know because it loses the appeal yeah takes away the but, mystery yeah <clears throat> didn't work for the Joker didn't work for Darth yeah Vader. you're not a big fan of the Joker huh <laughs> it's, it's not a it's taxi driver it I is liked it better when it was taxi driver it is taxi driver I'll give you that all right so, that was your number four? That was my number four. It's a good pick. My number four is A Muppet Christmas Carol. Have you ever seen it? Yes. You're not a big fan of it? No, I am. This was... Oh. This was... <laughs> I... I did not watch it... Um, I mean, there's several movies that I didn't watch until your sister and I, you know, hooked up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a lot. I mean, we can skip <clears throat> all of that. <laughs> we don't have to rehash, but um, uh, any of that. But no, because <laughs> she would, uh, especially during the holidays and stuff, she would say, "Oh, let's watch Muppet Christmas." I'm like, oh, "All right," but yeah, it's one of those movies. That I'm like, "Yeah, this is really good." And I've seen yeah. other iterations of Christmas carols. Yep, this is by far, I think, the best one. I would agree with you. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it was one of those movies. I mean, Elf, I could have easily swapped out with the Santa <clears throat> Claus. Yeah. And 15, like 15 other movies. And this was one of them that I was debating about having in. I didn't include it, though, just because it is somewhat of a recent movie that I was introduced to, mm-hmm. to where I still enjoy watching it. And I think it's fantastic and very, very well done. Um, it's just I didn't include it in my personal list because I just didn't have that history with it. Gotcha. But no, I think it's I think it's great. It's probably the best. That's why I'm not looking forward to uh Will Farrell and Ryan Oh, Spirited? Yeah, Spirited. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, Scrooge Part 2?" Yeah, I know. Christmas Carol, that was I was like they already did it better with the Muppets. I was like, I know. "You can't." No. Just watch the Muppets and Yep. Um but yeah. I would agree. I, it's my favorite uh, Christmas Carol a- adaptation on screen. I like Scrooge a lot, but this just has more heart to it. I always watched it as a kid. It came out in 92, so just it was just one of those movies. I always liked the Muppets, too, mm-hmm. but this is probably my favorite Muppet like movie, as well as being my favorite Christmas Carol adaption, because I like this one way more than the Jim Carrey one that came out. Uh, I like, like I said, I like it more than Scrooged. I liked it more than the Patrick Stewart TV movie that came out. Yeah. Um, just because I think Michael Caine is probably my favorite Scrooge. No, you pronounce Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah. He's very good in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think he actually said this is probably one of his favorite movies. It should be. It's real. It's awesome. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, his acting is. Very good. Yeah. 
He doesn't phone it in. He doesn't. Yeah. He's not playing along with the joke like, no. oh, I'm in a Muppet movie. It's- yeah, he even said that. He made it a point. He wanted to act like he was doing a play. Mm-hmm. Like he was with on, on stage with serious actors. He didn't even see Muppets. Yeah. That's how he wanted to approach it. And it was the smart way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, you know, it's a musical. For a musical, it has some very good songs in it. There's mm-hmm. one really good song, When Love Is Gone, that they cut out. Yep. From... Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Yeah, it was uh, during the Ghost of Christmas Past when yeah. they're at the park with yep. his betrothed or yep, whatever. His wife. Yeah. yeah, was it his wife or is it his fi- fiance? Yeah. Yep. And then she realizes that he's gonna always pick work over her, and he kind of just she kind of breaks up with him, and then Michael Caine. It's a really touching moment that you're not expecting in a Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. He goes behind her and starts singing the song with her, and he's like breaking down as he's singing the song, and you're just like, "Wow, that kind of hits." It's kind of beautiful there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't expect that to come from a Muppet movie. But well, with all that being said, like it's funny. I like the aspect of Gonzo and Rizzo being the narrators in the movie and then going along in the adventure with the audience. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really smart thing to do. And their repartee with one another is, you know, funny. Yeah. It's cu- it's cute and it's funny for like, you know, a nine and 10 year old. And I still enjoy it as, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who's pushing 40 now. Yeah. But and they got little comedic bits and stuff that yeah. they do throughout the story. Kind of break it up a little bit in between yeah. the acts. And I thought it was really smart, too, that the ghost of Christmas future was like a Grim Reaper and didn't have any talking lines. Mm-hmm. So they let Michael Caine act and go yeah. to the different scenes where people didn't really care about him at all and he they just let michael kane <clears throat> come to that realization that you know yeah this is what my life's gonna be if, if i keep going down this path mm-hmm. but a lot of it's it, it's a lot of emotional heft that you're just not expecting from a muppet movie um which is why i like it it's surprising it's funny entertaining my kids love it yeah it's just great yeah i think we watched it uh last sunday nice it's underrated no one ever talks about it I, I think a lot more people i i would disagree i think you a think lo- so i i would be willing to bet that people have seen this version of a christmas carol more than any other version hmm um i don't know it'd be an interesting poll but it would be i i don't know because i feel like i've seen like stuff on twitter or something like to where all right guys what's your favorite iteration of uh, a Christmas Carol, and why is it the Muppet version? And oh, okay. <laughs> kind yeah. of a thing. Um, to where I think people in our generation, especially, I, I think it's one of their go-to right. that they talk about. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think people talk about it as much, just because mainly it's thought of as a kids' film. But I feel like there's probably a lot more people than we're aware of that have this Enjoy in their it. holiday watch list. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But. I got a clip here. All right. There we go. Scrooge made his way up the staircase, caring not a button for the darkness. Darkness was cheap, and Scrooge liked it. But the incident at the door had made Scrooge wary. Before he shut himself in for the night, he searched his rooms. Okay, that does it. Pardon? How do you know what Scrooge is doing? We're down here, and he's up there. I keep telling you, storytellers are omniscient. I know everything. <laughs> Hoity-toity, Mr. Godlike Smarty Pants. To conduct a proper search, Scrooge was forced to light the lamps. How 
does he do that? <laughs> <clears throat> but just the movie has scenes like that throughout it where they're just their repartee is very good. Mm-hmm. And the way they it's amazing how they move these Muppets to with like the body language to have you know, convey sarcasm and comedic effect. Yeah. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. I would say better than most comedies when it comes to body language and conveying like a, a comedic response to whoever's talking to you. Yeah, they are very, there's a lot of expression they're able to yeah. really get across. Um, and a lot of the effects, were, I mean, I think are pretty good. I mean, it's fairly mm-hmm. seamless. I think there was a couple of in-camera tricks that they've done. There's a couple of uh, green screens or matte effects that they did um like when the ghost of christmas uh present uh yeah. is super large and mm-hmm. he shrinks down to i i feel like that was in camera because when we watched it i couldn't see the seam oh yeah of um the actual effect yeah, but then they right. had they had full body shot like wide shots of the muppets moving um which was i'm sure screens that they probably removed or yep. uh, strings and sticks that they removed <clears throat> digitally um but it's it's really well done. Yeah. Um, they actually they had to build sets too to where the actors for the the Muppets they would be in like they would be under the floor to mm-hmm. where they could do that, and then Michael Caine would have to walk on like boards. Yep. To make sure that you know to get that effect that they're that he's walking with them at their yeah height, at the you, ground yeah yeah I think they did a similar thing with uh, Empire. Strikes oh, back yeah. to with because uh, the whole set on Dagobah with Yoda, mm. uh, which Frank Oz, who is also with Jim Henson, yeah, right. does voice of Miss Piggy, um, <clears throat> uh, and Kermit, yeah, and Kermit, and the it was the same thing to where they built up a set and then Frank Oz was pretty much down below gotcha. the level the entire time, saying the lines and then moving the doll and yep. everything. It's cool. But, I think they took extra care of making this movie too because Jim Henson died like a year before. Mm-hmm. And then his son Brian's the one that directed the movie. Yeah. So I can tell they put a lot of, you know, heart and effort into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love it. I watch it every Christmas. It's great. Yeah. That So that's my number four. All right. Yeah. My number three is one that it's one of the ones that I feel like are probably going to be, as time goes on, it'll just be aged a bit. Okay. Um, is Love Actually. Really? Which also came out in 1993. Jesus Christ. Or 2003. Uh, the same year as Bad Santa and Elf. Is that just when you started watching Christmas movies? Uh, apparently. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Love Actually. Uh, it's written and directed by Richard <laughs> Curtis. Um, stars everybody. I've uh, only seen it one time. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So this is... A lot of people call this the movie the the romantic comedy that guys like, um, okay. <laughs> and uh, but it has I think it's like nine different stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place in London, and um, if I I feel like a lot of people have seen this movie, um, but it follows uh, all right eight different couples. So it follows the lives of eight different couples uh, in dealing with. Uh, their love lives and various loosely interrelated tales, all set during the frantic month before Christmas in London, England. Um, it stars Hugh Grant, uh, Liam Neeson, uh, Laura Linney, uh, Bill Nighy, um, Colin Firth, Emma Thompson. Um, oh, jeez! Isn't yeah. Kira Knightley in it? 
Kira Knightley's in it. You have Chetawilla, Chetawilla Elishafu. Chuatel Ejiofor. Yes. Dude, you're fucking... (laughs) (laughs) It's like you have a fucking stroke. (laughs) Has Martin Freeman. Yeah. It has Andrew Lincoln. Um, who is in The Walking Rick. Dead? He's Rick. <laughs> he kills zombies. Coral. Fun. Coral. Who's <laughs> your mom, Coral? <laughs> um, and you have uh, Alan Rickman. Um, and then you have cameos from Mr. Bean. Mm. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson. I mean, pff, a lot. Of, it's like the what the Mother's Day. Uh, this is the, the movie UK. that actually started all that crap. All that so crap, then you yeah. had like because after this, the success of this movie, then they did like New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, and all these other ones where they try and get all these big stars yeah. for like a quick thing and then uh, go. But um, it's I like it just because it's it's fun. I don't. There's been some recent not butt hurt. But which is a technical, is that technical media literary term? Um, yeah, media literacy term uh, is butthurtness. Uh, because people will watch it now and be like, "Oh, well, Andrew Lincoln played a stalker," and so they're looking at it through the lens of a 21st century oh. sensibilities, as opposed to this movie came out in like early 2000s, 20 years ago. Yeah, and. Um, Refresh me on that storyline. He liked his best friend's wife, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. So, um, and he he just, yeah, he loved her. And, oh, okay. But he never said it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, because he didn't want to hurt his best friend, and he didn't want, like, all this other stuff. But, yeah. So, you have that. You have... Um, so, are people upset about my best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts? I never saw that. Well, essentially, she just... She becomes a homewrecker. That bitch. It's the storyline. Fucking bitch. Where was the outcry for that? <sighs> Jesus. She was yeah. a prostitute. You know that? They did a documentary. <laughs> they uh they won all the awards. <laughs> <laughs> she went shopping and everything. Yeah. Um but uh and then you have another storyline to where Hugh Grant plays the prime minister mm. and he is in like he kind of has the hots for his assistant. That's right. And so mm. Then you have people, oh, well, and like after the Me Too movement where, oh, he's using his power. I'm like, yeah, but. Can we all just take a breath? Yeah, I was like, she she liked him. I was like, fucking Hugh Grant. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> poor. But so you have some people kind of. Who else is the prime minister going to meet? It's like he can go out to the bar. Met Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, I mean, you have some some people that are trying to pick it apart like that. But I, I think it's fun. Uh, one of my favorite storylines is between uh, Colin Firth's character, Jamie, and his uh, Portuguese housekeeper uh, to where they don't speak. Like, he doesn't speak Portuguese. She doesn't speak oh, English. Gotcha. And you have their relationship going. Um, you have Bill Nighy and Gregor Fisher, who pl- Bill Nighy plays like an aging rock star. And That's right. And his manager um, so that's one. Of, and it's not just like romantic love. It's you also have friendship in there. Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of different storylines. Um, and it's not all happy endings. You have some that uh, kind of like, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen it, watch it. But I don't want to ruin any of the storylines. But um, overall, at the end of the movie, you feel you feel good. And right. it's a it's got funny uh, moments in it. It's got just kind of like that. 
English sense of humor. Yep. Um, but I have a didn't didn't Zach Braff just make a commercial with uh, his Scrubs co-star? Oh, Donald Fajan. A Donald a T-Mobile commercial. Yeah, yeah. Holding the uh, yeah. If you guys have <clears> seen the. Um, I think Saturday Night Live, everyone does a spoof of this, but someone's standing at the door and it says, say it's carolers, and they're holding a white poster board with letters, and then they go from yeah. poster board to poster board. That's from this movie. Yeah. Um, so it's no, pro- been, no protest the T-Mobile commercial? Uh, well, no, it's fine. Well, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's the movie that's the, mm. the problem, apparently. It's problematic. All right. But, um, but yeah, I think a couple of actors from the movie, of course, they were like kids, I think, in this movie, and then now mm. they're adults. They're like, oh, well, it's sexist and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you were like eight when this movie came out, when you were in this movie. And now I was like, no. Now they're wise beyond their years, Jay. Well, I think they were trying to get their name out there because they haven't had work since they were 10. But but no, I have a a clip here uh, that is, I don't know, kind of, this is a clip with uh, Billy Mack. Uh, the character who's the aging rock star played by Bill Nye, um, he's on a he's just put out a Christmas album. He hasn't had a hit in years, and that he changed um, instead of "Love Is All Around Us," it's uh, "Christmas Is All Around Us." <laughs> and so he's putting out the dreaded Christmas album, and he's out promoting it. But he's at the age to where he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, and yeah. now he's being interviewed on a uh, London radio show. Gotcha. So, Billy, welcome back to the Airwaves. New Christmas single cover of Love Is All Around. Except we've changed the word love to Christmas. Yes. uh, Is that an important message to you, Bill? Not really, Mike. Christmas is a time for people with someone they love in their lives. And that's not you? That's not me, Michael. When I was young and successful, I was greedy and foolish, and now I'm left with no one, wrinkled and alone. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Thanks for that, Bill. For what? Well, for actually giving a real answer to a question. Doesn't often happen here at Radio Watford, I can tell you. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. The best shag you ever had? Britney Spears. Wow. No, only kidding. (laughs) She was rubbish. Okay, um, here's one. How do you think the new record compares to your old classic stuff? Oh, come on, Mikey. You know as well as I do, the record's crap. (laughs) But wouldn't it be great if number one this Christmas wasn't some smug teenager, but an old ex-heroin addict searching for a comeback at any price? All those young popsters come Christmas Day, they'll be stretched out naked with a cute bird balancing on their balls. And I'll be stuck in some dingy flat with my manager, Joe, ugliest man in the world. Fucking miserable because our fucking gamble didn't pay off. So if you believe in Father Christmas, children, like your Uncle Billy does, buy my festering turd of a record and particularly enjoy the incredible crassness of the moment when we try to squeeze an extra syllable into the fourth line. I think you're referring to, uh, if you really love Christmas. Come on and let it snow. Ouch. So, uh, here it is one more time, the dark horse. <laughs> That's good. I love Bill Nighy. But the, uh... I mean, it's fun. It's a quick moving movie. Uh, there's eight different stories. You you keep hopping between mm-hmm. the different storylines. Um, I feel like it's very well done. Um, it's very hard to juggle the storylines. 
uh, that many storylines. Um, yeah. And as you watch her more and more, you'll have some favorites, some ones that aren't so favorite, but every single one has at least a scene or two that's that's worthwhile. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have a lot of romantic love. You have uh, friendship. You have that Liam Neeson is a stepfather to a child who recently lost his mother. Mm, so okay. then you have a father-son dynamic. Um, but it, it deals with a bunch of different kinds of relationships um, all centered around Christmas. So Good pick. I did like it when I saw it. Just haven't yeah. seen it since. That's fun. All right. So that was my number three. Your number three was, was Elf. Elf. Mm-hmm. So do you want to do your number two? Two? Or, yeah. 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 So I was debating this because I like the second one a lot too, but I had to go with Home Alone, the original one. Okay. That's my number two. Uh, it just, it's a classic in my eyes. I saw it in theaters when I was five. I've loved it ever since. I always thought Kevin McAllister was the coolest kid ever. Um, it's like a dream movie for a kid, you know, I just Mm -hmm. watched it for the first time with my son Liam and he absolutely loves it. He thinks it's the coolest thing in the world and watching it with him. It just brought me back to when I was a kid and just, you know, just loving that movie. And it's still, it's still funny. Like as Mm -hmm. an adult, even like all the slapstick crap, I'm just a big fan of, I love Daniel Stern. I love Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's so underrated as like a comedic actor. He's one of my favorite comedies, my cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I, I can't think of an actor who does such a be- a good job at balancing dramatic with comedy than Joe Pesci. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, he could be the the funniest guy in the room and he could also be the scariest guy in the <laughs> I room. Know, it's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, it's the movie that makes me feel most like a kid. I I, I love it. I do think that Home Alone Two though, uh it has some scenes in there are a little, I would say a little bit funnier than Home Alone, the first one. The only reason why I didn't put Home Alone 2 on here is because pretty much Home Alone 2 is just a carbon copy of the first one. Yeah, it's the same it, thing. And they even call back to it like, we did it again. Yes. And there's a couple of like, yeah, not fourth wall breaking, but just aha moment yeah. kind of a things in the movie. Yeah. But the story structure is beat for beat, mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Yep. So I, can, I couldn't put it on the list because, you know. There's not a lot of originality with that. It's just the setting's different. Yeah. Is but, it because Donald Trump's in that one? <clears throat> yeah. Immediately off the list, because I hate that yep. guy. Okay. Good. He's ruined everything about this country. Yes. Only same, him. Same thing with Rob Schreider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Tim Curry's in the second one. I love Tim Curry a yeah. lot. But, uh, um, but yeah, and then the movie itself, it reminded me of just big family get togethers because his his brothers and sisters remind me of like my cousins and stuff and mm-hmm. um just you know the, the 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 uncle that you don't always really get along with that <laughs> gives you shit all the time yeah and arguing with your cousins i mean I, I think everybody can relate to that mm-hmm. and the neighborhood too it reminded me i mean i wasn't as rich as kevin McAllister was growing up but i was certainly like low middle class and mm-hmm. just the neighborhood itself with all the lights and it just reminded me of like a neighborhood that i grew up yeah. around yeah. Yeah, which is hilarious because I look at the <laughs> we watched it uh recently as well and I was looking at the uh seeing their house on the street mm-hmm. and then I see the neighbors' houses on the street and I was like, What's McAllister's house I feel like should not be in that neighborhood 
because it was the Murphy's house. Yeah. It was like this two bedroom yeah. thing that looked like it was like built in the 40s. And yeah, yeah. It, it just did not, it didn't fit in the neighborhood. I was it, like, man, I bet the McAllisters are pissed. Their property values are going down. <laughs> yeah, you get in that house and their kitchen's like, you know, 30 by 20. Yeah. <laughs> it's really small. Fucking poor people. And he was damn pores <laughs> bringing these property values down. Uh, but yeah, along with that, I just love uh, the score. I think that it's one of the best scores too. I got a little clip here of that. Just great. Yeah. It brings you back to Christmas. Almost sounds like Harry Potter in a way. Oh, who did it? I don't know. John Williams. What what else did he do? Harry Potter. Huh. <laughs> Guess who directed that movie too? I, I'm surprised uh <coughs> Chris Columbus. I, I I'm surprised they don't get that. What was his name again? The guy who did the music? John Williams. They need to get him to do more stuff. I know. He's certainly pretty good at what he does, right? He's alright. I mean He's yeah. alright. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I love the score. It brings me back to Christmas. It's unique, and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great, <clears throat> and it's it's one of the. I, f- I feel like this one and the last. I mean, the second one, I guess too. But this one, I feel like, was on the tail end of those kind of kid movies, mm-hmm. where I feel like they don't make that many of them anymore which is no. kids are out on their own kind of a thing mm-hmm. like the goonies um stand yep. by me uh, yep. the wizard uh home alone uh those child adventure movies that i i mean maybe they still do make I, maybe i just haven't seen them but i've i at least in my perception i don't think that they really make them anymore no. because i feel like you would have heard about it at yeah. some point um, or like Flight of the Navigator or uh, yeah. crap, what's that one with Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix? Oh, the Explorers? Explorers. It's another yeah. one. They, yeah, a lot of the, I mean, the 80s kids adventure movies mm-hmm. to where adults are out of the picture and it's just up to the kids to figure it out. Um, I don't know if they stopped doing that because they thought running away was going to be an issue or something. They, I don't they know. watch the movie and they think, oh, right, we can handle this. But, I don't know. Well, maybe, um, well it's tough to have, find a kid that can carry a whole movie. Yeah. Or kids that can carry a whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The, um, yeah, I agree. It, it does have that uh, family dynamic that a lot of people, I feel like, could relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I have another clip here. Yeah. That See, this movie is, is, is awesome because it's not afraid to have those. Um, more adult-like confrontations with a kid. Mm-hmm. By that I mean just the repartee and the. <laughs> I can totally. <laughs> I, I know see where this. you're playing now. <laughs> I can totally see this happening with Nicole and my son. I can totally see it. It's yeah, not not far off. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor. Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. <laughs> Sorry, that was it. <laughs> I love that line. I know it. <laughs> the, 
Yeah, Catherine O'Hara does She's such great. a great job yeah. being a mom. Mm-hmm. And just because I think every other kid that saw this movie pictured their mother. Oh, yeah. Very, very easily. I think my mom had the same haircut. Yeah. Um, Shoulder pads. Yeah. All that stuff. And, um, but the conversations <clears throat> that, oh, I wish, I wish the family would disappear or I wish you weren't here and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, every kid I think probably says that to their parents at mm-hmm. some point. I know I did with my mom, which had a very traumatic afternoon for me to where, <laughs> yeah. cause I think I was like one time I was like, I wish you would just run away. I mean, I was like five or something. Yeah. And, uh, I think it was just like one of those days my mom just had it. Yeah. And then she's like, fine. She got in her car and then she drove just like she's probably just yeah, yeah. driving around or whatever. Um, and my brother was home. So he had watched me before to where yeah. she was like, yeah. And she was probably gone like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And but it was enough time for my dad to get home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I'm flipping out and, oh my God, uh, mom ran away. And, and then I was like <laughs> trying to convince my brother to say it was his fault. Mm. And because my brother loves me, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it was my fault. And, but then, yeah, she, obviously she came home. Or but then, but, but then your brother said, uh, yeah, he was being a jackass. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure my mom could like, cause I think, uh, um, my dad come home and she's like, "Oh, where's your mother?" And I think my brother's like, "Oh, not home yet." Oh, and then gotcha. she comes home and my mom walks in and she just has that look and I'm like, and I like go up to my room to hide, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure they probably discussed it or whatever. Like, oh yeah, Jay's being a little dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, no, Catherine O'Hara like just captures that like can be not cruel to her kid, but just okay, I'll match you a little bit. Yeah. Um, or um, if you're going to say nasty things to me, no, I'm going to ignore you at that point and you're going to be punished, but then immediately turn around. I mean, like a normal parent does. And then, yeah. Um, and then just the frank, to, uh, franticness of trying to get back. Yeah. And um, just a frustration with holiday travel. And I mean, yeah, it is re- really, really well done. Yeah. I like, uh, John Candy in it. He's a, every time John Candy shows up, I, he just mm-hmm. warms my heart. I love John Candy. He's got a great little bit in it too. Um, and obviously John Candy and Catherine O'Hara, they were in Second City together, so they have a nice little chemistry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I like the physical comedy in it. They, it brings me back to the Three Stooges and all that. I mean, Daniel Stern is just his like reactions to things are just classic. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's just a good movie, and people like to shit on it, and I don't know why. There's a, a scene in Dogma where uh, Salma Hayek is talking about uh, the top five grossing movies, and something like she says something like, oh, and Home Alone, you know, is three. Someone had to sell their soul to the devil to get the grosses up on that piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> come on. If you take at it, you take it at face value and just the execution, the idea, I mean, it's really well done. It's funny. Uh Macaulay Culkin's a, you could tell he was a star. Mm-hmm. He could carry a movie. Yeah, it's there's a lot recently in the past probably 10 to 15 years since the realism of like with Christopher Nolan making a realistic Batman movie. 
I that definitely spawned a gritty, realistic portrayal of fantastical stories. Mm-hmm. So, um, you had oh, dark and gritty like Batman, or uh, grounded in real world versions of this, and then I mean they would, and it wouldn't be comic books, but it'd just be more, I guess realistic tellings of things that happen and i think what that may have done is previously to where you can kind of buy the real the buy into a story like home alone because the home alone story is absurd Mm -hmm. completely unrealistic uh plenty of people have said oh yeah if these characters act were actually alive they would have died four times or five times right right throughout the movie um, and I think that's, I mean, Dogma came out before Christopher Nolan, but I, th- I mean, one, it's a, it's a kid's movie. Yeah. And, um, I think now with people shitting on it, I mean, I think, I feel like people t- tend to point out either plot holes or something. Oh, that, that really wouldn't happen. Well, like neither would 98% of movies and that's the mm-hmm. point of movies is escapism. Right. I was like, if you want to see something real, then watch a documentary or something right. to that effect. Um, and I think that <clears throat> might be where it comes from is just a sense of a lot of people are, unless it's set in a fantasy world, um, I think anything that happens in a contemporary setting, people... I don't know if they're just not willing to believe into an absurd storyline or or what, but I think that might be where it comes from a little bit as far as people shitting on this. I, I haven't heard anyone shitting on this. I haven't I haven't lately. Um yeah. but but yeah, I do think some absurd movies like Home Alone have trouble because I feel like it did such a good job kind of balancing the line with absurdity but still being entertaining still being believable within the world to where now a movie similar like that now I feel like would just be so far-fetched um, if they couldn't execute it properly and I think that's what a lot of the problems with some movies are is that they just don't make it believable even in the world that they're in mm-hmm. kind of a thing but um, because they established rules early on in the movie then that get contradicted later on yep. uh, because it doesn't fit into the narrative. Or yeah, I think, and I think John Hughes has the ability to write from the mindset of a kid better than most. Obviously, he's prolific in writing about teenagers, and mm-hmm. he's, he's written some of the best teenage, you know, coming-of-age movies ever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, every situation that Kevin's in, like through the eyes of, like, how would, a, how would an eight-year-old handle this? Mm-hmm. With you know all the posters pretending like they're having a party, just the ridiculousness of that whole thing. Yeah. And a kid would think that that's that would actually work, yeah. you know. And then obviously the plan with all the booby traps and stuff, um, the myth of the next door neighbor being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Like we've all <laughs> growing up, we've all had been a part of those stories or whatever. Um, you know, has nice little sweet moments in it where he goes to the church and he has that conversation with his neighbor and. Yeah, and I think it's. John Hughes does a good job with that, either because he remembered a lot of that stuff from his own youth, which I think he did with the original Vacation movie that was based off of um, an essay he wrote, because he was in advertising before, and I think he did that story for the magazine, National Lampoon's Vacation, Mm. and um, because he drew a lot of inspiration from that from his own childhood. 
And him being able to remember that and be able to put himself into that position again in his writing, I think is what served him to be able to create movies like The Breakfast Club and Home Alone that was able to speak to those age groups and that audience because he remembered that instance in his life to where now um, some of the movies get made if they're just, okay, you got to write a kid's film. Okay. And then they just fart something out. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, kids will like this because it's stupid or right. because it's a fart joke or what. Yeah. It doesn't seem <clears throat> as sincere as what um, Home Alone or some of his other movies do, I think, because it's not coming from that personal space where John Hughes did a lot of personal stories, um, even with transplants and automobiles, to where you, you could feel like maybe that was probably one of the parts of his decision to um uh leave advertising mm. one because he probably wasn't fulfilled in the job but two he was probably missing his family or he was traveling a lot because did he do mr mom too yeah he wrote that yeah same thing to where uh the mother goes back into advertising yep. and so i mean there's i i feel like he draws a lot of inspiration from his own life and memories and i yep. think that's why a lot of his stuff works to where other things yeah. tend to fall flat yeah, and, and a lot of the movie, I mean, it doesn't fall on, like, uh, uh, sophomoric humor, like fart jokes uh-huh. or poop jokes or whatever. You know, he go he goes into town to buy groceries. You know, he orders a pizza. Yeah. He plays a prank on the driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's afraid to go downstairs in the basement because the, the fireplace or the heater is scary. Yeah. You know, it's things that you could tell if they thought through what would an eight-year-old do if they were left, left home alone? What, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that they would do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, Great. Well done. Yep. That's my number two. All right. My number two uh, did not come out in 2003. Oh. I thought you were making a list of top five <laughs> 2003, 2003 Christmas, Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, almost. Uh, no, uh, this one came out in 2004. Oh. And it's the Polar Express. Um, it's a good movie. So this is <clears throat> one that Christy introduced me to as well. Okay. Um, but it did make my top five because I was I was blown away just from the first time watching it. Okay. Um, and I think I watched it for the first time probably 2013. Wow. Maybe. Um, You're late in the game. I was. Well, I remember when this came out and I had no desire to watch it. Mm-hmm. Because of the motion capture. Same thing with... Um, what's the next one you did after Beowulf. this? Beowulf? No. Uh, Scrooge. We did Beowulf and then oh, he did, did, yeah. they did a Christmas Carol. So I never watched Beowulf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't even read... The, I had to read the book in English. I didn't read the book in English. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, and then he did Scrooge. Uh, or Scrooge. And I didn't want to watch... I didn't like motion capture. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked creepy. It still looks a little... Eh? Got those Polar Express eyes. (laughs) (laughs) The Uncanny Valley. Um, Which I think it... I I think I can look over it in this one just because there's some some facial expressions that the conductor does that looks like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like there's a a bit when uh, he looks at his... uh, his little uh, stop, not stopwatch, pocket watch. Yeah. And he's like, oh, look at the time. And like, there's a facial expression. He does. I was like, yeah, that's Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of the facial expressions, I feel like they nail the kids ones. And I don't know if it's just because 
I don't know who did the motion capture for the children. I don't know if it's just because the children that they got weren't as expressive and is what Tom Hanks was because Tom Hanks is pretty expressive and can be. And I think he understood how expressive he had to be based on the technology that they had available at the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why his facial expressions tend to work. Um, but a lot of the children seem more static. Um, uh, the kid, the main kid, I feel like is a little, it's pretty good sometimes, but I heard that Tom Hanks even did some of the motion capture for his face. I thought he did play the kid. Yeah. And, um, but I think the, uh, the, I mean, people have seen Polar Express. If you haven't, because of the motion capture, it's based on a book by Chris Van Alsberg, who did Jumanji mm -hmm. book. And, um, and it's on Christmas Eve, a young boy embarks on a magical adventure to the North Pole on the Polar Express while learning about friendship, bravery, and the spirit of Christmas. I had this, I, I put it at number two because I re really enjoy it to where it's one of those cozy movies, especially at the beginning to where he's in his room. I mean, it's like a 1950s, 60s. Yeah, like Norman Rockwell kind of thing. Yeah. And to where he puts his hand on the radiator and it kind of burns him a little yeah. bit, like the just the sound, the look. You get like you feel warm mm -hmm. when being inside the child's room, room, yeah. And you see the snow outside and everything else. You could it, like I feel like you can feel the the breeze and the wind outside of the train and everything else. But um, it's directed by Robert Zemeckis and um, your favies, what, yep, my favy, <laughs> and uh, the some of the movie it, it feel i mean the book isn't that long um it's a fairly short book um because it's children it's based on a children's book um so they pad it out quite a bit they add some characters um and some subplots that weren't in the book but, was the rice krispies guy snap crackle pop was he in the book do you know uh that long kid <laughs> <laughs> the guy does the voice of the rice krispie Snap, crackle, pop. The, the real annoying yeah. guy? Who, yeah. Because um, he's the guy from uh, Back to the Future, I think. One of the... He is... Um, Eugene. Oh, I'm sorry. Eddie Deason. Yeah. Sorry, not Back to the Future. I'm sorry. Grease. He plays Eugene. Yeah. He was yeah. in Grease. Uh, he was in War Games. Yeah. Um, and he's like... He'll show... Like, he has one of those... He always does that voice. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he's unique. in stuff, I I feel like he was like Revenge of the Nerds or something. That maybe at some point, but he always played. Oh, he was in a Magnum PI episode. Oh, there what, you go. That's, I, that's I was watching the series, <laughs> and I was like, "It's the fucking annoying kid from Polar Express." <laughs> and um, but um, but yeah, he's in there. Uh, and uh, so Michael Jeter. Um, yep. Yep. But um. There is a, the only thing I don't, if I could change one thing about that movie, mm -hmm. there is a Aerosmith cameo. Oh, yeah. At the end. I hate that. Oh, yeah. That, I think, it almost ruins. Uh, the I magic? It, one, it dates it. Yeah. They, they should have just. Got rid of it. They, I don't know why they put it in there. Did I? I don't understand the reasoning for that. Somebody had to owe somebody a favor. Yeah, it was in the um, contract. And 
I feel like that it this wouldn't have been a perfect movie, but it would have been pretty close to it. Um, because the storytelling is solid, even though it feels a little bit of padded at times. It's um um yeah, just that the the cameo at the end and it's just it's jarring. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. I don't know who it was for, maybe for the parents, but I feel like the parents would have gotten enough out of this movie without seeing Aerosmith. Aerosmith, the <laughs> yeah. hit seventies rock band that Well, at least it didn't sing Dude Looks Like a Lady, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it sang a Christmas song. Um but I have a I have a clip here. It's um the yeah, the first one. The, uh this this clip uh it's at the beginning the Polar Express pulls down, stops at uh the street uh of the hero boy, which is the character's name. They don't have a name, but it's the boy's street. Yep. And um he sees a conductor standing outside the train. Well, you coming? Where? Why, to the North Pole, of course! This is the Polar Express! The North Pole? I see. Hold this, please. Thank you. Is this you? Yeah. Well, it says here, no photo with the department store Santa this year. No letter to Santa. And you made your sister put out the milk and cookies. Mm -mm. Sounds to me like this is your crucial year. If I were you, I would think about climbing on board. So, uh, obviously, the, the basic premise of the film is the main hero boy is at that age to where he's not sure if he he, he he's very skeptical about mm-hmm. believing in Santa and um but the movie then goes into uh different kind of uh, themes or lessons as far as uh kind of when to shut up yeah and learn when to uh get self-confidence stuff like that when to rely on people when to uh believe and um kind of retaining that your childlike <clears throat> wonder that you have and kind of like try not to lose that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's well done. I feel like the animation, there are several scenes, the animation I feel is pretty good. Motion capture issues aside, a lot of the animation, I feel like the items have weight, like the train mm-hmm. feels heavy. Yeah. It feels massive um, to where a lot of animation um, it's very easy to not have those things to where everything feels floaty. Yeah. Um, even CGI. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I feel like the animation, um, is really well done. The art style is faithful to the book. Mm. Um, so the, the North pole, the architecture of the buildings in the North pole yep. is modeled after, um, I think it was like an industrial area in Grand Rapids where the Michigan, where the author was from. Um, but it's just one of those cozy movies. It's got a su- couple of song um, numbers in there. Um, but the other good thing about this is the score. Mm-hmm. And I have a clip of that. Just a, It's a longer one, but...
didn't mean to blow anybody's ears out from that, but um, but yeah, by Alan Silvestri. It's great. Probably one of my really really good favorite Christmas scores. Um, actually, probably one of my favorite scores, movie wise. Um, but which he's somebody that I feel like needs to. If there was the next John Williams, I think it'd probably be. I, I would choose Alan Silvestri. Really. Yeah, the because uh, he just simply because he has enough style to where um, when he does it, I don't know. It's just something. Even before I started paying attention to uh, composers and movies, he was one that I was always. It was him, Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. um, and John Williams were the main three that I could pick. Just from oh, that sounds like the guy who did, and yeah, then yeah. I look it up like, oh shit, it's the same person, same guy. So he has a distinct sound, like similar to like Danny Elfman or something like that, yeah. where he has kind of that distinct way that he does music. But I think he he does a very good with orchestral, mm-hmm. larger scores when given the opportunity. Yep. Um, well, he encapsulate Christmas pretty well with yeah. the score for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, the wonder. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I I think the the Motion capture side, like you said, the visuals and the camera work and the shots in the movie are awesome. Mm-hmm. The sound effects are amazing. The editing's awesome. I saw this movie in 3D. Uh, like it, they re-release it like every other year, it seems like. And I always thought to myself that, man, this would be probably pretty awesome to see like an IMAX 3D. And I saw an IMAX 3D, and it's awesome. It's like going to ride. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I would... <clears throat> Yeah, I'd like to see it in 3D, just especially that initial shot of the train coming and stopping. Yeah, and how you have the uh, the sled portion of the engine like right there in the foreground. And yep, it just yep. looks so. I mean, it does that slight uh, pan down and to where it just like shoots the train at an extremely low angle and yep. just looks massive. Yeah, um, and yeah, the, the steam dispersing and everything. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. The uh, I I highly recommend it. Um, uh, yeah, but I do too. It especially seeing it, I mean, less than ten years ago, probably for the first time. It's I've been wanting to. It's one of those like, oh, I'm watching that every year, right? And, um, but yeah, immediately it felt like it brought me back to my childhood, even though it it's nothing that I watched when I was. It wasn't even out when I was a kid. So, um, the fact that I could do that, I thought it was that's pretty good. And yeah, some people. Don't like it because of the motion capture. If you can get past the motion capture, I recommend seeing it because I think it's worthwhile. It is. Your kids will like it too. My kids loved it. Yeah. All right. Number one. My number one, uh, I watch all the time. doesn't necessarily have to be in Christmas, but it's by far the best Christmas movie. It's debatable. Ever made. Debatable. And it's one of the best comedies ever made, and that's Christmas Vacation. Hands down. I did not put this in my top five because <clears throat> I knew that you were going to put well, there it in you your go. top five. <laughs> so. There's no debate. It's my favorite Christmas movie. It's one. Of, it's probably one of my top five comedies ever made. I just think it's perfectly done. Again, John Hughes wrote it, and I'm sure that's not an accident. I, I He just writes middle American, middle class family structures so well. Mm-hmm. Nobody does it better than him. And... This is just a match made in heaven. I, I love Chevy Chase movies. I think Chevy Chase is... I don't know why he's not more recognized 
for his comedic genius. I would say he's just a comic genius. When it comes to like physical comedy and uh, reacting to other actors, timing his and, timing, yeah. he's awesome. Rainy Quaid <laughs> is fantastic. Um, just the the I can relate to the quirky relatives. Like I I know somebody in my family that is like mm-hmm. the uncle, when, yeah, or the great uncle who's kind of not there anymore, uh, or the great aunt who isn't there anymore, or even the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I had a, a much older teenage sister growing up when I was, you know, eight or nine, that was like you know seven years older than me. And every time I see her on screen, I think of my sister. It's like mm-hmm. oh, that's exactly. With the Guns N' Roses poster and messy and shit all over the, you know, yeah. doesn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> I'm the nasty brother, you know what I mean? Um, it's just great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Everything from, yeah, the relatives coming over, hanging the lights. I mean, uh, yeah, hanging the lights, trying to find ways to spend time with your kids, arguing with your relatives, the awkward conversations. Yeah, no, no, no one does it better, or nothing does it better than this movie. Yeah, and it's it is taken from obviously Clark's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have his parents that he's kind of like, oh, like you can tell he loves his parents, but then he's kind of like slightly annoyed by him, but they, they still treat him like a son. Like they still kind of want to parent yeah. him a little bit. Um, and then he has his in-laws to where <laughs> they kind of just keep, they just rib him a little bit. Yep. Like, yeah, that they married his daughter, but it's just like that typical in-law yeah. kind of thing to where they're not overtly mean, like they t- they sometimes are in like sitcoms yeah but it's more of just like ah, what like they yeah. kind of like when uh kind of downgrade him a little bit yeah like put him in his place a little bit yep. yeah um yeah because eg marshall plays his father-in-law art mm. <laughs> he's so good they're not twinkling. little lights they're not twinkling <laughs> thanks for noticing art <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, so it, it has some of the best lines ever, ever in a comedy. And here's, I got a clip here. Um, yep. Uh, hey, if any of you are looking for any last minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I'd like Frank Shirley, my boss right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought... Right here, with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't let up. This movie doesn't let up. There's every scene is just, there's something funny to it. And it's memorable every time from when he goes shopping with Rusty and he's hitting on the, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't see the line, can you, Rust? Nope. nope. <laughs> um, it opens with him, you know, trying to be a, a, a all American dad to go, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas, tree shopping or whatever and it's being all awkward trying to sing carols and his kids just aren't into it they don't want to yeah. they don't want nothing to do with it it's wasting a whole saturday kind of thing um i got another clip here uh we've all had family members where they come over you see him maybe 
once a year or maybe twice a year and so is around the holidays and you have that like awkward mm-hmm. conversation and Clark and Eddie when they're talking to each other I always think of that here's a clip here and a hell of a good cook can I refill your eggnog for you get you something to eat drive you out to the middle of nowhere leave you for dead no I'm doing just fine Clark just glad to be here yeah so when did you get the uh, tenement on wheels oh that there that uh, that's an RV yeah, yeah. I barred it off a buddy of mine. He took my house. I took the RV. <laughs> it's a good-looking vehicle, ain't it? Yeah, it's so nice parked in the driveway. Yeah, it sure does. But don't you go falling in love with it now, because we're taking it with us when we leave here next month. <laughs> I love it. Man, because you... you, you you have relatives like that where you have like some sort of underbiting sarcasm in like your retort, mm-hmm. but they're not picking up on yeah. it. <laughs> Cause you know, you're safe to say those things I know. without them because yeah. they you know, they're not going to pick up on yeah. it. And that that's done really well. Love, yeah. Very yeah. good. I like, and of course this is kind mm-hmm. of uh like he has the idea, the idea of like the perfect Christmas vacation, which is mm-hmm. a typical thing that he, that, Clark Griswold has in all the vacation movies um, to where he always has like the best intentions and the best hopes. He thinks it's going to be this great thing and then it just turns to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, I feel like it feels more authentic. I, I feel like, cause he's talking about having, he's like, Oh, I always wanted to have a big family Christmas, have everybody under one roof. He's always wanted to have that experience. And I think a lot of, sometimes a lot of other people want to have that too because they remember they're thinking back to when they were a kid and they had that experience mm-hmm. and they, they enjoyed that everyone just being together, yeah. but they just weren't in the position of how stressful, like a situation that could be. Right. And as soon as his parents and uh, father and mother-in-law show up, they're inside, they have the hectic greeting and then everyone kind of goes in the house and he's like, all right, well, if you need me, I'm going to be uh, out in the garage. Yeah. I'll be <laughs> he out immediately for, wants to escape it. Yeah. And, I'll be out like, for the season. Understanding, like, oh, what the hell did I just sign up for kind of yeah. a thing. And um, <laughs> fix the new post. <laughs> <laughs> he just breaks down. Yeah. And they, and they, sh- they showed that uh, what you're talking about there when he goes up to the attic and he's reminiscent of all mm-hmm. the, the, he goes and looks at the old film and stuff and, Kind of reminisces a little bit about it. Um, oh God! And Julie Louis Dreyfus is in this movie too. She's great, <laughs> dude. The and again, they do such a good job of relating, like um, not getting along with your neighbor. Yeah. I, I mean, my parents, my, my dad certainly didn't get along with one of his neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my mom didn't get along with all of her neighbors too. I got a scene here. That's pretty good. Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. You've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Those little snarky, snide comments. I mean, it just reminds me of growing up and having the same kind of... Listening to my dad talking to the neighbor, like giving him shit or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And the neighbors are... (laughs) 
there's <laughs> there's a couple of I always think of my aunt and uncle when, mm-hmm. I, when I see the neighbors just because they're bougie a little bit yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's what I love about them and um so whenever I see this movie I always say I was like oh that's my aunt and uncle yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's really <laughs> um but uh but yeah the neighbors I just I don't know what it is. It's just they're them by themselves are so good to mm-hmm. wear. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, no, Margo. <laughs> they called her, they named her Margo. I love it. After you shower, of course. Of course. Of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. They're wearing like the super expensive, tr- like sweat track shoes. Yeah. Suits yeah. That- <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, in uh, the, uh, not getting along with your boss, not being recognized at work. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Put it on there, the shelf with the rest of them, <laughs> Greaseball. <laughs> They're all wrapped. This is the exact same <laughs> gift. Uh, kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a classic. Uh, like I said, it's one of the best comedies ever made. Uh, I can watch it not on Christmas. It's uh, it's one of my, it's one of the best. Yeah, it, ha- it, yeah, it definitely has a lot of lines, a lot of uh, things get repeated. Yeah, I don't like when people say that it's, it's not as good as Vacation. I disagree with that entirely. I, I think, and I don't know if it's just because, I mean, Christmas Vacation, I think was the first one that I saw, mm-hmm. and then it was the, um, this one I watched the second most was probably Vegas Vacation. Uh, just yeah. because it was accessible. I think we had recorded it on tape and I was just like, yeah, right. Watch that. Um, and then the original vacation, then European vacation. Yep. Um, the original vacation feels, it's very definitely early eighties, almost feels late seventies. Yep. Almost. Uh, it definitely feels like an older, older movie to where I feel like Christmas vacation doesn't have that as much. No. It doesn't feel as dated. It came out um, in 1989. Yeah, it, but I whenever I think of it, I think of it as an early '90s movie. I do too. Um, yep. So and every scene hits. Every scene. There's not like a lull in it where mm-hmm. you're, you're the laughter is like every three or four minutes. There's a line or something where you're laughing. Vacation. It, it goes in spurts where yeah, you're laughing like that, and then like a half hour goes by and you, you haven't really laughed yet. Mm-hmm. And it has some really good lines and dialogue in it, but it's just not as funny as. Yeah, and I think movie. probably because I feel like Christmas Vacation is a lot more relatable yeah. than the yeah, original Vacation. Um, yep. And just because I think, and what helps it is that it it stays within the house. It's very S- centered, yeah, centered and grounded to where it's any kind of holiday, anyone who's gathered at a house can relate to it in some way, whether you were the host or whether you were the visitor. Um, everyone, I feel like, has experienced that at some point or another to where even the traveling vacation movie, you have some random stuff like, oh, stopping at our cousins on the way to the... Yeah. Va- like, I really never had that or just stop, like... I mean, of course, they went across the country, but... I mean, those super long road trips, I'm not sure. Maybe that was probably, I think that was more of a thing back in the 50s and 60s. I think you're right. To yeah. where once, when we were kids, it was more of, all right, let's get there. Yep. It was like you either drive straight through or 
Maybe you um, took a plane. You took, yeah, you flew there or something. Yeah. Um, to where you didn't have all these random stops, seeing all this different stuff. Kind yeah, that's true. Thing. Um, just because I feel like people had more time back then to be able to do detours and everything else. Right. Um, or they couldn't afford a plane ticket or whatever the yeah. case may be. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I I think this is definitely more relatable, and I think it it helps. Um. Again, being constrained to a single location. I mean, it was, it was this and then work. Yeah. Um, and then they had a trip to the mall. Um, but, and I think it kind of, that's what kind of helped keep yep. it snappy to where yep. they had to come up with enough things to. Or go sledding and. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Later, dudes. <laughs> Let her rip. Hang 10. <laughs> Yeah, I I love I love the scene where he finally gets the lights to go, and he's he's basking in his glory, and then Eddie's right there, and he just can't he can't believe it, Eddie, the whole time. I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my number one. Christmas vacation. Uh, my number one came out in two thousand three. Just just <laughs> kidding. Uh, it. <clears throat> Came out in 1946. Oh and, boy! Yep, and it's a wonderful life. Uh, it's a great movie. Yep, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed. Um, I th- oh James Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it, Mister Potter. I these people home. So <laughs> oh, this drafty old house. Oh, get out of here! Oh, Zuzu's petals. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is another movie that the first time I watched, I don't know what it was. I was just enthralled. I I like the, I mean, I I feel like everyone's seen this. If you haven't, I would suggest you do. Um, I mean, a couple, it's, I mean, it's an old movie. There's some jump cuts with the editing and stuff like Mm. that. Um, but, um, it is, uh, the movie is an angel is sent from heaven to help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what life would be like if he had never existed. Mm-hmm. There's been a bunch of parodies about this. Um, there's another movie called The Family Man with Nicolas Cage and yep. Taylor Leona, which is kind of like the opposite of this a little bit. It shows him in that movie. It shows him what his life could have been like. Yeah. If he took another job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Yep. So this, I mean, this movie, it kind of starts out from Clarence, the angel's perspective, and then um, these two other angels pretty much show uh, George ba- uh, show Clarence, the angel, George, George Bailey's life. Um, and you kind of follow him along and then uh, the movie unfolds. But like the, just the, the narrative components of showing that kind of, twilight zone-esque yeah towards the end to where this is what it would be like if you didn't exist is great it's really good um the uh i i think the i mean the acting's good the writing is still um i mean entertaining i mean it's one of those a lot of people watched it because they used to play it on tv a lot Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if they still do. I never watched it when it was on TV. First time I watched it, I think I was in middle school, maybe eighth grade. Okay. And uh, first, I mean, 
and the first time I saw it, I was, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I asked for it for uh, Christmas shortly after that. And then since I had the DVD, I'd watch it every year. Yeah. Um, and uh, Donna Reed is hot. She's a smoke show, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is. Ugh, good thing it wasn't in color. <laughs> um, which there is a colorized version of this. Don't watch it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Um, you can look up on hideous clips of it on YouTube, and it looks god awful. Oh, does it? Um, but well, you don't. You don't need to watch it in color, though. No, you don't. It's fine. You watch it in black and white. Yeah. And um, but uh, I think what sets it apart though is Jimmy Stewart. He's such a fantastic actor. Yeah, uh, he really is. Yep. And Donna Reed, and it's not it old. There's like movies like His Girl Friday. To where there's a lot of quick dialogue, like ah, you got to get it on the press thing, and then then like everyone's just bickering back and forth yeah. really quick, um, almost trying to say it just to get it done. Yeah, yeah. and well, part mean. of the reason they did that uh, back then is kind of get past censors, <clears throat> so they could uh, say something a little bit more risque, because um, and then be able to get away with it. <clears throat> but because there was a lot of uh, things that you couldn't even show in movies. And I think this movie was even flagged. Uh, Frank Capra, I think, was uh, flagged or something because they thought it was too communist or something like that. Really? Yeah. Um, Jeez, crazy people. Nothing like that would happen nowadays. <laughs> yeah, thank God. <laughs> no thank, overreaction whatsoever. Yeah, thank God we don't blacklist people for <laughs> random accusations that may or may not be founded. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I have a, I have a clip here. It kind of sets up uh, to where if you haven't seen it, it kind of puts you in the perspective of George Bailey and kind of maybe gives you some insight as far as what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a scene. Uh, George Bailey was uh, he had already graduated high school. He is probably twenty two, twenty one around this time. And he was waiting for his younger brother to graduate and he, because he was kind of helping around the house, helping his dad with his business. And he was just kind of hanging out, waiting for his brother to graduate. So that way then he could go and do what he wants and travel and all that good stuff. Um, The night of his brother's graduation, he goes to whatever party they had at the high school gym and he meets Donna Reed. Uh, mm-hmm. who is the younger sister of one of his friends. And um, so, yeah. And they're they're walking home after a fun night at the dance. Down the street, down the street, down the street. Okay, then I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a wish and then try and break some glass in. you got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too oh, no, watch. George, don't. It, it's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in as a ghost. Now watch. There's right in the second floor there, see? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm gonna see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? 
Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? tonight can't, you come out tonight? Out tonight? can't you come out tonight? So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's <clears> one of those classics. Um, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, actually bombed in theaters when it I came know. out. Yeah. And uh, this was the first movie that Jimmy Stewart did after World War II. Because he was oh. a soldier in World War II and came back and he thought about not doing this because he didn't think he was in the right place mentally to do a film like this. Oh, well, I that's think understandable. Because obviously de- dealing with shit from the war. So. Yeah, some PTSD. <clears throat> yeah. So, but... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's a classic story of, you know, you, you always take for granted what you got right in front of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always have great. one thought in your head as far as how you think your life's going to be going. Yep. Um, and then... Obviously, more often than not, that yeah doesn't I think, typically happen. Yeah, I think a lot of people deal with that. They wrestle with that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there's something else I could be doing that to make my life better when it's probably pretty good yeah. as is. So, yeah, or they think pill. that they may have like wasted their life, or yeah. oh, the opportunity has passed me. And I think yeah, every and I think that's one of the way reasons why this movie is um, still watched <laughs> or still talked about now is because it's. It's just one of those themes that is timeless that no matter how many generations passed, you can still relate to the central problem that the main character is facing or yep. feels like he's facing. Yeah, it's a good story, too. Uh, if you're <clears throat> if you're limited by special effects, which they were in the 40s, mm-hmm. you got to have a good story with some sort of fantastical element. And it's a pretty simple story where you don't need crazy effects in order to have like a a compelling story. Yeah, and it makes it it makes it seem like there's science fiction going on there, like you're watching a science fiction mm-hmm. movie, but you're not. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, because they do they do several things. Um, there's because there's a part in the story which it's already explained in the brief synopsis of an angel shows George mm-hmm. Bailey what his life would be like if he didn't exist. But when that moment happens, I mean, they just do tiny tricks to where it stops snowing. Yes, and. Um, I mean, it's, and it's just continuity tricks. That's all yeah. it is. Just very basic uh, filmmaking uh, techniques that is able to convey that sense yep. of oddness. Yep. And my um, car was right here. Well, you weren't there to drive it. Yeah. It's not there anymore. A simple thing like that. Yeah. Or they changed the signs to the storefront or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Yeah. So. And back to Jim, Jimmy Stewart being, he's obviously just. A, an amazing actor and he was mm-hmm. a cut above everybody else because you have like mr the guy who plays mr potter he's still in that style of acting yeah. where it's kind of like in that <clears throat> that era of snappy dialogue and not a whole lot of range when it comes to emotion yeah and james stewart he could act today i think and he would yeah do james stewart was definitely he was one of the first actors to have naturalism in his performance yeah. to where um well, he he was more natural in his delivery. Mm-hmm. He wasn't as vaudevillian or yeah. coming from like a theater or something like that mm-hmm. to where he wasn't overly expressive. He was more subdued and subtle, yeah, subtle uh, in his delivery and his mannerisms and um, I, just the way he presented himself on yeah. camera. It comes through too when he realizes that he's lost all his money mm-hmm. and he has to go back to the house and he's, you know. Yeah. doesn't really say much and he's kind of just you looking just at everybody stewing. stewing and 
very very depressed and mad. Mm-hmm. It's good. So I, the only reason I say that is if you're afraid to watch like an old 1940s black and white movie, I'm telling you, he's awesome in it, and it's yeah. it's well worth it. And Donna Reed does a great job matching that style she of does. delivery. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of scenes to where it's kind of like, uh, all right, pull it back a little bit. Yeah. But, it's not distracting. Um, but yeah, no, it's not. Uh, not at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I always watch this on New Year's Eve with my dad. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, my parents were divorced growing up. So my dad, my mom would get me for Christmas. I would, my dad would always give me for New Year's Eve. And this is the movie we would always watch. Okay. For whatever reason. So I never. So you, th- this is the movie you were talking, is that yes. you correlate more with New Year's Eve? Than Christmas for whatever reason. But it's it's clearly a Christmas movie and I do watch it every Christmas because I, I, I like it too. It almost made the list because I, I do like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's very good. So. Yeah, a uh, little side trivia. Uh, th- I think they won a technical award for uh, the when they created snow in this. Really? And I think they used they used cornflakes. Uh, oh. And because it was able to fall similar, it wasn't falling so heavy that it didn't look like snow. But it was falling in a way that the wind or the air would actually kind of levitate it, almost help it kind of float a little bit huh. in a way. But yeah, it was uh, cornflakes, and they won a technical award for special effects. No kidding. So I'm looking right now at <coughs> the Oscars for that year. What won Best Picture? The Best Years of Our Lives. Yeah, which no one watches anymore. I'd never seen it. <laughs> Another <laughs> reason number 167 it. to not take stock into the Oscars because hey, yeah. they typically don't pick movies that are actually culturally significant. All right. Well, you did say it flopped, right? So Yeah. What are you um, going to do? But I do think it was, I want to say it was nominated. It was. So For Best Picture, it was. Yep. It sure was. So was Jimmy Stewart for Best Actor, but he lost to Frederick March, who is the star in The Best Years of Our Lives. So apparently that movie... It was the return of the king in 1950. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a sweep. It won everything. <laughs> yeah, it won seven Oscars. Jeez, I've never seen it. So, so yeah. Yeah. I'll do a recap here. Yep. All right. Five to one. My number five was The Santa Claus. Number four was A Muppet Christmas Carol. Three, Elf. Two, Home Alone. And number one, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. My number five was Elf. My number four is Bad Santa. Number three, Love Actually. Number two, Polar Express. And number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Honorable mentions. Ooh. So I had a Bond movie almost making my top five. You were telling me about this. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. The only George Lazenby Bond movie. I heard it's good, though. Uh, I like it. Um, It's pretty close to the book. And... Actually, it's very close to the book. There's not a lot of... I mean, they have some tech gadgets, but it's not like absurd technology gadget stuff. Yeah. Um, and But it takes place around Christmas mm-hmm. and even has several Christmas songs in it. And uh, that almost made the list. Uh, like I said, Christmas Vacation, uh, the Home Alone movies, the Santa Claus movies. Um, yep. Along with... Uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, but also, I mean, I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is probably <laughs> the most Christmassy movie that Shane Black did. 
Yeah. Um, well, and we I we both love that movie. Yeah, it's and very good. But I wouldn't consider because I think that was on my top five. I think it was, yeah. Um, but I still want to consider that a Christmas movie. I don't consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. Yeah, I don't either. Just because it takes place around Christmas. I mean, it's because when Christmas comes around, I don't like. Mm, I you gotta watch want, Die Hard. I just gotta watch Die Hard. <laughs> no, watch John McClane pick glass out of his feet. Yeah, no. Um, Me too. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Gremlins wasn't on there. Yeah, um, didn't come close. Just because I don't, other people may associate that with Christmas. I I never did. Yeah, I, I because of the Gremlins, I kind of associated it with Halloween because the first time I it's watched fair. it, I was a kid. It's fair, and I was like, oh, that's scary. It should be on Halloween. Kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, but um, Harry Potter movies. I always watch those during Christmas. Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So yeah, which Harry yeah. Potter movies. Yeah, if if there was a holiday, I I think I feel like his first the first Harry Potter movie feels like a Christmas movie it does. because of the Chris Columbus and yes. um, John Williams score. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only other one that I feel like is a Christmas movie as well. I mean, a little bit of uh, Chamber of Secrets, but the uh, Deathly Hollows Part One. I think they had a scene when yeah. they were at uh, Godric's Hollow, and yep. Hermione makes the wreath or whatever. She's like. Merry Christmas. But. Yeah. They do a good job in those movies of showing the changing of the seasons, too. Mm-hmm. So you get that feeling, especially yeah. around Christmas. Yeah. And like you're at the first one, they say, you know, Happy Christmas. Yeah. And they, yeah, exchange gifts. Happy or Christmas, Harry. Happy Christmas, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those damn Brits. Uh, happy yeah. Christmas. What Weirdos the across you, the pond. You bunch of <laughs> Nazis. You make a movie for <clears> us. <throat> you use our yeah. language and colloquialisms. That's right. You just... You Just speak around. American. No kidding. My God. How do you speak English? How do you fuck it up? <laughs> it's impossible. Can't do anything with these people. But like, yeah, I had Home Alone 2, obviously. Uh, the Polar Express was very close. Um, everything you just said. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was close. Uh, just because Jim Carrey's performance in it is very good. That's like the closest thing to a Dr. Seuss live action adaptation that I think worked. I thought the Cat in the Hat was really dumb and poorly made and just doing live action dr seuss is not a good idea it's more animated Mm -hmm. uh but of all of of any story that could be live action i thought how the grinch stole christmas was good just because jim carrey just took it over um and i didn't put the rankin bass stop motion stuff on there because they're like tv series but that's another thing that i watch pretty much every year it's because it brings me back to being a kid Mm -hmm. i like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and santa claus is coming to town all that stuff I never watched those when I was a kid. Watched them all the time. I Every think I've year. seen clips of Rudolph Red Nose. Oh, really? If I watched it in elementary school, if like yeah. a teacher played it or something, maybe then I've seen it. But my mom bought the box set of like four VHSs. Mm-hmm. They had the oh, little, with all the specials: Little Drummer Boy, Frosty, Santa Claus. It's coming to town, and then Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. They, so uh, I would just go through them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I think the only thing I could think when I was younger, I mean, Home Alone, I'd watch all year round mm-hmm. when I was a kid, but I was trying to think of things that I watched. I mean, I think it was probably Christmas Vacation, just my, my dad ruled the TV. Oh, he, yeah. He loves that movie. So we'd watch that or. Um, I didn't have a Christmas story on here either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. It just it it's good, <clears throat> but it's nothing that I like clamor to watch every year because i think it had that effect of it's always on tv 
and I've seen it so many times. And and I've gotten to that point with Christmas Vacation. Oh, really? Yeah, is um, just because I've seen it so many times, Mm -hmm. um, but we'll still put it on, and I can do something else or whatever, and I can still hear the lines, or just because you see it so much. But so that movie and. is kind of that way for me. Christmas Story, I didn't really watch every year. Um, I think my dad would, but it was such a weird movie scene because it felt so old. I know, for coming out in the 80s? Yeah, because it came at, what, 82 or something 81 like or that? 82, something like that. And But it felt like a 60s movie almost. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, it's still... It's got great parts in it, and I think yeah. it's another one of those movies that you could relate to when you were a kid. Sure. Even though you're not from that time, because you always had that one gift that you wanted to go yeah. after. Um, but yeah, that wasn't on... I thought about putting that on the list, but it's not something that I, yeah, like you said, clamor to watch mm-hmm. every year. I like a Charlie Brown Christmas. That's a good little yeah. TV special. The... Um, yeah, that was the first one I think they did. It was. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, the one I watched the <clears throat> of the Charlie Brown specials was the Thanksgiving specials, the one I watched the most of. Um, the Christmas one was probably the second most. Um, but yeah, we have those and we watch. Yeah, we try and watch that. You know what? I watched. Uh, remember, look who's talking. They made a third one with dogs. <clears throat> I used to watch. It's a Christmas one. It revolves around Christmas. I watched that one a lot. I don't know why, but as a kid. Yeah, I was disappointed with that movie because I love the first two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because it was just, yeah, just the dogs yeah. talking and not the kids. And yeah. I was like, mm. yeah, I thought it was funny as a kid. Yeah. But it, it doesn't age very well. Um, Definitely not. But yeah, I mean, just friends. Yeah, that's no one. Christmas. I, I I thought about that just because I liked the way they did the relationship between the two brothers. The two brothers. Because <laughs> that I th- I remember the first time I saw that I was like they really nailed that relationship. Yeah. I immediately saw yeah. my brother and just <laughs> us going at. It. I was like, yeah, that that is a hundred percent real. Um, <laughs> so whoever wrote that those interactions definitely knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so many Christmas movies that... Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Every year. Are you going to watch the new Christmas Story sequel? I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, What is that coming out on? I think it's out on uh, Hulu. Hulu? I could be wrong. I I mean, maybe. I know. I'm... And I don't know. Maybe it'll be... Uh, obviously, it's going to be from the perspective of the father as opposed to the yeah. kid. Um. I think it's it's the second sequel. That's right. Yep. Because they did. I didn't even know they had. It's yeah. on HBO Max. It was on. Uh, was it Daniel Stern? I think was in a Christmas Story Part Two or something like that. Um, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, Daniel Stern came out in 2012. 2012. Uh, Daniel Stern and. That's it. <laughs> and that's it. Um, yeah, I didn't get around to seeing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone did. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it's every year. There's like I like uh, I like Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn, and it's mm-hmm. kind of funny. John Favreau's in it too, and Robert Duvall. Um, but nothing that's like yeah, classic. There's screams classic. Yeah, there's one movie I want to wa- I want to watch. Claws. That's uh, very good. I yeah, I've heard good, good things about that, and um, I like animation. So I think that'll probably be a new Christmas movie I watch this year. The animation style and that's on point. Yeah, it's very good, and. Um, and J.K. Simmons is the voice of Claus, and uh, Jason Schwartzman does the voice of the postal worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good in it. And I think I want to say uh, Rashida Jones is the yeah. voice of uh, uh, the main uh, girl in the movie, the love interest in the movie. Got him. The yeah, so that'll probably be a new Christmas movie I watch. But yeah, it's very few and far between as far as Christmas movies coming out that could be considered a classic and i think claws popped up on there to Mm -hmm. where they said that that may like it has the makings of being a classic for sure um so i'm interested to see that uh but miracle on 34th street yeah i Mm -hmm. think i've seen maybe once in school or something but i don't i don't remember it i don't i know they did a couple couple of them um there was a there was a movie with Ethan Embry. I'm looking it up right now, where his parents get divorced and they're trying to bring them back together. It was like, yeah, all I want for Christmas, 1991. So Ethan Embry has like him and uh, his sister, Thor Birch. Mm-hmm. She's in it, and her parents get divorced, and they they're trying to scheme uh, to get their parents back together, and it's centered around Christmas. That's another one I used to watch all the time as a kid. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, Nicole had a roommate in Chicago. She would watch this, mm-hmm. like even when it wasn't Christmas. <laughs> it's like, why are you watching this? Um, I can't think of anything else right now that I used to watch growing up. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, oh, the Christmas Chronicles that where Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus. I never saw that. Liam likes it yeah. a lot. It's okay. I mean, he does a good job in it. It's not like laugh out loud funny or anything, but it's imaginative and, you know, the kids will like it. Yeah, I think, was it the Hallmark Channel puts out like 50 movies a year? There's like 70 Christmas movies. Jesus. Every week. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> There's another channel spin-off, spinoff of Hallmark called Great American Family, and I think they exclusively do Christmas movies. <laughs> That's all they do. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah. Ernest saves Christmas. I think I've seen that a couple of times. I've seen that a couple never, times. Yeah. That never became a mainstay. Um. I used to watch Ernest Scared Stupid a lot. Did you? Yeah. That was like on my, your Halloween top five, though. Well, it, it doesn't age very well, <laughs> but <laughs> as a kid, man, that's like Citizen Kane. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it'll be. I don't know. I feel like it'll be interesting to see what <clears throat> Christmas movies in the future will become classics or that people tend to go to. Because mm-hmm. Elf, I feel like, was a surprise. For sure. And um, I remember when Polar Express came out and it kind of bombed because I think it only made like 130 domestic and it was like a $200 million production budget. Mm-hmm. First movie to do motion capture. Everyone, even the critics didn't really like it all that much. Roger Ebert gave it four stars, and he said, this is going to be a Christmas classic. There's no doubt. 
Yeah, he, wasn't he was right on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I want to see, yeah, I want to see claws because I think that was the only thing that's come out in recent. Yeah. You'll like it. I, you'll, you'll like it. Yeah. It's good. Even, uh, Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. She'll like it. it. Definitely. So, well, cool. Cool, man. Christmas, Christmas. It's here. The Jesus. time of joy. <laughs> so much joy <laughs> um well jay what are we talking about next time uh well join us next time as we start our end of the year wrap-up <clears throat> we will be discussing our top five worst things things that, that we've seen this yes. year so it'll be miniseries tv shows mm-hmm. movies all the above anything and everything that came out this year um We'll, we'll talk about our top five. That's so right. I uh, I have a bad, nasty habit of revisiting things I know that I like and rewatching. Um, but I've seen some stuff this year, uh, and I think enough bad stuff to I think make I a top five. And this will just be stuff that we've se- that we've personally seen. Seen, yes. Not something. Oh, I heard this was dog shit. Yeah. So I'm going to put it on the list kind yeah. of thing. So it'll be something that we actually have experience with, and it won't be us just hopping on a bandwagon of something shitty. Yeah, I'm not going to go on Rotten Tomatoes and yeah, figure out the... what. Oh, what what sucks? <laughs> yeah, that's wasting time. I I don't care. So, uh, but yeah, we'll be doing that uh, next time. That's right. So, uh, join us for that. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, and hope you enjoyed the show. What are your top five Christmas movies? Let us know in the comments. Also, $500 to the first listener who can tell me which of our movies is technically not a Christmas movie based on the criteria that we explained at the beginning of the podcast. So, uh, Void Where Prohibited does not guarantee $500 to the person who actually says the movie. It's coming out of Jay's pocket. No, it's not. (laughs) That's a lie. No one's getting 500. (laughs) But thanks for listening to the show. Yeah. And until next time, Matt. Until next time, Jay.